All righty. Welcome to the Pause Up Podcast, episode 33. We are back better than ever. We are very excited to have an awesome special guest. But before that, as always, I'm here with Jake Gibson, Jonathan Mayer, our co-host. And today we are here with Corey Brooks. He is ESPN Plus voice for the Panthers. He's on the radio for FIU football. Corey, thank you for hopping on. You basically cover every sport at FIU. So yeah. Thanks for taking the time. No, no worries. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys. There's been some big time hitters on this podcast. I'm just happy to be one of them. <laughs> and I think we can get started right away. So if I'm not mistaken, you began your broadcasting career at a UF in 2012, yep. which is also where you graduated in telecommunications. You did a lot of work too, calling softball, lacrosse, gymnastics, and soccer. Just talk to us about your time at UF, you know, being in front of the camera, the mic, and just calling, you know, almost every sport there as well. Right. Yeah, it was incredible. And Florida was such a blessing in that way, because when I went to school originally as a freshman, I thought I was going to go to law school, like everyone else. And they make you at UF when you go to preview, they're kind of intro to everything. They make you go to two sessions. So I went to the pre-law one first and I was like, I don't even know what other one I want to go to, but there's a sports one. That sounds like fun. All right, why not? And they play a video from Aaron Andrews and some of the other UF alumni. And you go, wait a minute, this is actually a thing. You can actually talk about sports as a job. I I'd never considered that before I went to UF. And so I get into it. And at first, I think I want to be, you know, on the news talking sports, you know, think channel 10, channel seven, that sort of deal. That's what my mm -hmm. degree is in because there wasn't a sports degree at the time there is now. So I'm doing that and ESPN comes by and they're like, Hey, you know, you can uh, come and shadow different positions in a broadcast. And one of our production directors asked, do you want to shadow the play-by-play -play guy? I'm like, sure. That sounds like fun. I've never even thought about play-by-play. And I'm sitting back there watching him, and he's having the time of his life. So, so, oh, that's my cat. Hello. Um, well, he was doing a women's soccer match, and he's having fun. I'm sitting back there, and I'm like, man, this seems incredible. And from then on, I really got into doing play-by-play. -play. And, and like you mentioned, it started with Florida Gymnastics, which is obviously not a sport we have a ton of exposure to at all as South Florida sports fans. Yeah. So that, that taught me a lot very, very quickly about how to broadcast – how to lean on an analyst when you have one, how to function without one, and what really goes into calling a good match, game, event, whatever. And so that's, that's what was really cool about it. And they kept going from there. And Florida is a, a great school when it comes to every sport. You know, they're constantly in the Capital One Cup or the All Sports Cup, whatever you want to call it, where they're pretty competitive as far as everything goes. So they have an incredible lacrosse team. That was the first team I traveled with. And so, you know, you just continue to be around all these sports and it just teaches you so much. And my final year, I was doing softball. I was around volleyball. I was around gymnastics, lacrosse, all that. And so knew this was what I wanted to do. Still wound up interviewing for news jobs because I thought that was where the pathway was and wound up actually getting a full-time play-by-play job in North Dakota, mm. which I spent five years at. And if I thought I called a lot of different events at Florida, North Dakota taught me I had no idea. I, I was doing things I didn't know existed. You know, a, a truck pull I did in North Dakota. And I didn't know anything about gymnastics, but I really didn't know anything about a truck pull other than that's a truck. That's a big object. It has to move. And that's the core concept. But you learn about that on the fly. And, and the great part about being up there was two things. One, I got a ton of reps. And so you're constantly bettering your craft because you're constantly doing it. And then the other thing it taught me was, boy, do I love South Florida. And I knew that before I left. But I really knew it when I was up there. And it's 50 below. And you watch local news. And it's like, yeah, if you're outside for more than five minutes, you get frostbite. And they say it so casually where 
we down here are like, um, it's under 60, it's freezing, you know? And yeah. so I, I came to appreciate South Florida, not only for the weather, but for the people too. You know, it's just, yeah. it's a very different culture. North Dakota was incredible. The people were very, very sweet, very kind. But that said, Miami is one of one and it made me miss it even more. So when the opportunity came in 2020 to come back, that was a done deal. And then that led to calling some games for the hometown team. And well, here we are. All right, so Corey, let's talk a bit about um, that that big decision in, in 2015, right? Heading to uh, North Dakota, I believe yeah. Fargo, or was it Bismarck? Bismarck. Although we were Bismarck. all over, we were all over. So I've worked in Fargo plenty as well. That was a, right. it was a statewide so, network, so we were everywhere. Yes, yes. So uh, talk to us a bit about you know ma- ma- making that first trip to North Dakota and how it sort of evolved your craft, as you'd mentioned, doing mm-hmm. way more sports, some of which you've never done before, but. And just talking about the the university itself, the campus, the environment, and obviously the bit about the weather, how it yeah. changed from Gainesville to uh, you know a state that not I would assume not many people have really been to from South Florida. Right. No, I I think it's sort of one on one. I in my time there, I was there about five years. I spoke with one other person who was from South Florida in that time. So, like you said, not not a ton of the Miami to North Dakota pipeline. Not not really a thing. But that said. It was a really unique opportunity. I don't believe in the time I've been doing this, I've seen anything quite like it still in terms of the number of reps that you get and the possibility of covering multiple sports from high school to division two to division one to Juco. You really got a lot of chances at the spot I was at and it was a statewide network. So you were kind of all over. I can confidently say I know North Dakota even better than I know Florida. And I've been here for most of my life, but I went from corner to corner in, in North Dakota. I don't spend a lot of time in the panhandle. And so I can't say I know Florida quite as well. South Florida, I've got covered central Florida and North central Florida. Absolutely. Once you get up there though, it's a little little iffy for me, but I know North Dakota pretty well. And so it was a really unique opportunity to, like I said, not only kind of get better at the craft, but to broaden the horizons a little bit. I posted this on Twitter the other day where I have been, because we traveled there, we had an indoor football team, arena-style football, and we traveled with them for a few years. So I've been to every single state in the Midwest. You know, the, the flyover states, the places that no one's been to traditionally, you know, Iowa, Nebraska, Wyoming, stuff like that. I've been to all of them, but I've never been to New York City. And so for a lot of people, it's kind of the opposite. But that's what sports life does. That's where the opportunities are for a lot of broadcasters. And there's a lot of sports that happen out there. There are obviously plenty that happen in New York City as well. But there's so much to be covered out there that people don't think about and don't traditionally involve themselves with from a coverage standpoint that you get to do that stuff. You get to experience these places. And for me, who didn't do a lot of traveling growing up, it's incredible. I I love it. And that's one of the cool things now that I'm doing with FIU is we'll travel with football, right? And so go to Ruston, Louisiana, a place I never even imagined myself being we just got back from connecticut i'd never even been to connecticut so my my northeast horizons are expanding all that type of stuff and so it's it's really really cool from that standpoint and that's another thing that was a blessing about when i was in north dakota was not only were we going to place you know fargo which everyone's heard of grand forks another pretty big city in north dakota but you're going all over you know you're going to omaha nebraska which is not a place a lot of people think about but for my money the best diner in america is in Omaha, Nebraska. Is an omelet that's like 
this big and it's oh chef's kiss 11 worth if you've ever been and the other thing too that was kind of unique about it at the time it's not anymore was in order to avoid driving on a lot of those north dakota roads they started doing remote broadcasting where i would be in a studio and the game would be on the other side of the state and at the time that was something that they were doing and a little bit elsewhere but not much whereas now it's completely uniform we see it all the time right where a broadcaster doesn't travel anymore. He's in a studio thousands of miles away doing whatever. And so it fortunately taught me how to do that. It's not to say I'm perfect at it. I'll still make a mistake. But it getting exposure to that early was really, really helpful. And now when someone asks me, can I do a remote broadcast? I can comfortably say, sure, why not? Whether it be across the street in a studio or if I'm doing five softball games from my bedroom which I have done before. And so it is kind of unique in that way as well, but it was great in, in every single sense. It made me better at what I do, made me more confident at what I do and appreciative of it every single day. And now, even in this summer, which for my money has been the worst summer that we've ever had in South Florida, I will not complain it's too hot because that was my deal with the powers above. I said, get me through these winters and I'll never say it's too hot again. I'm still here. I don't say it's too hot anymore because I know what the alternative is. And I'm a reptile. I'll take the heat. I was going to say, uh, now uh, we're able to get a little remote for soccer. And yesterday, 11 <laughs> o'clock game, we, you, were no, you were remote, so you were nice in, in the AC at the football stadium. So uh, there, there's an advantage for that. But I want to know, so what um, for you, the decision to come back to South Florida and you mm-hmm. know, now be a part of FIU and, and you know, you're the guy, you're nearly every broadcast, you're part of it. It's talking to you about coming back to South Florida and here with the with the FIU Panthers. Yeah, it was just the right time. 2020, uh, my time in North Dakota was kind of winding down. And there was, you know, at the time, uh, this little thing. Ah, it's kind of like the flu. It's no big deal. But, you know, we, we better be safe. And that changed in a hurry. And so came back home to be with friends and family over the course of that time. And couldn't be more thankful that it worked out. I got here right as COVID was starting. And so if I would have been in North Dakota during COVID, you know, having my parents by themselves, I think I would have lost my mind. And so I was glad that I got here when I did just to be a part of that and to help them and to help others that that I kind of grew up with in South Florida. And for my own sake, to just be around them in the great mental health challenge of our entire lifetimes in ways that I, I still think we haven't fully diagnosed just yet. So that was incredibly important for me. And the timing worked out. And then once COVID finally started to let up a little bit and we started to get some athletics events rolling, I reached out to, to everybody, you know, not just in South Florida, but across the country, but in particular, those in Miami, because I was already here. And a guy by the name of AJ Ricketts, you guys may have heard of him, mm-hmm. you know, answered my email and, and said, hey, yeah, we'd love to have you. And it started out with women's soccer and expanded from there. And it was just such a joy for me to be able to broadcast in Miami. This is the place I grew up. This is the place I love. This is the place that I never want to leave again, to be honest with you. You know, even when I was at UF, I said, man, if I could get a job in Miami, that'd be it. That's all I want to do. It's the only place I want to be. I love it here. It is one of one. It stinks in so many ways that we all genuinely love for those of us who have come to appreciate it. So it's where I wanted to be. So be able to do games here, you know, in the University of Miami, 
it yes. was truly, truly an awesome experience. And so <laughs> I, I still appreciate it every day when I can be down here, drive down to Miami proper and call a game or a match. It, it's so cool for me. And now to even see the changes from when I started to now, it's, it's night and day. Yeah. You know, I was, I was coming in at the very end of the old regime and seeing the transfer, you know, seeing Scott Carr's introductory press conference, seeing Coach Mack being introduced as the head football coach, and some of the introductions from a staff standpoint, or even moving guys around. And Jonathan, you've seen this now firsthand, but, you know, adding Dan or Hunter or moving Christian from a sports information standpoint to a social standpoint, you know, seeing those guys operate behind the scenes and what they've been able to do. It's been an incredible change and feeling the culture shift with Scott Carr as the athletic director, it, it night and day doesn't even begin to capture it. It's, it's such an exciting time for FIU athletics and for FIU as a whole, right? You know, you see all these yeah. academic rankings, the, the law school rankings came out today. Today was the, yeah. the Florida bar July results getting announced and FIU had the highest passage rate in the state. So as an entire university system, right? It's up and up and up. And it's not easy to do. It is a challenge to be a big school in a big city. Look at yeah. any university in the country. It poses its real challenges. You know, your top athletics programs are usually in a smaller town, Tuscaloosa, Ann Arbor, Columbus, whatever. And so to be in a huge Metroplex really has its challenges especially with another school in UM right next door. But FIU is doing all the right things and then some, and I'm happy to be some small part of it. I really am. I do want to ask you about AJ. Obviously, he, he reached, yeah. reached out to him. He responded to you. Every time we hear an ESPN broadcast or a radio broadcast, he's the guy next to you. Just talk to us about your, your time with AJ, just working with him. And if you have any funny stories or any cool stories about, you know, any trip, obviously we know what happened this past weekend on that plane, but uh, yeah. if you have anything else you want to share on, you know, throughout your time. So that's my guy, obviously. And on-air chemistry is something you either have or you don't. And I've gotten along with plenty of folks off camera or off mic, but once it starts, we just don't, don't quite riff. That's certainly not the case. AJ and I, the second we started on air together, it's been seamless. You know, we can joke with each other. We can make each other laugh. We'll bounce off each other. And it doesn't matter what the sport is. So a guy that I obviously love working with, he's my roommate when we travel for football. And it's phenomenal in every way. I, I really do thoroughly appreciate every time I get to go on the air with him. A funny story. So you guys know this. AJ is a Division One athlete. Yeah. This is a guy who ran at the University of Miami. He is in tremendous shape. He runs. He does 4Ks. 4Ks the TV, 5Ks, wherever we go on the road. Doesn't sweat all that easily because he's conditioned. He still runs like he's running at the University of Miami. But we go to this restaurant in Ruston a few weeks ago when FIU was playing La Tech. And it was a highly recommended restaurant. And they have this Cajun mac and cheese. It looked incredible. AJ and I both got it. And I'm sitting there. I'm eating it. And I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. And I look over at AJ, and this man looks like he just got out of the shower. He is absolutely drenched. AJ could have run three miles and sweated out less than he would have eating this mac and cheese. I was, to be honest, laughing extremely hard. And that is the difference between 
a South Florida-born palate, and AJ, who grew up in the Panhandle and has truly become a South Floridian, but doesn't quite have those genes by birth, right? And so he's eating <laughs> it, and he's drowning. And I, I'm just laughing. That was my favorite restaurant that I think we've been to on a road trip so far. It was just across the bridge in Ruston, and it was so good. The menu was incredible. And, you know, it's not New Orleans, but you can get pretty good Cajun food all across the state of Louisiana. Yeah. And that was the winner for me. But, yeah, no, an incredible partner to work with. And even though he'll, he'll sweat it out in a restaurant, he won't sweat it out in a broadcast booth. And so we, we keep each other level. We bounce off each other well. And one of my favorite guys to work with, obviously. You know, I have yeah. to ask. Just tell us what happened that day. You guys heading over to – um. Where was it? Uh, oh, yeah. oh, the, oh the, the flight. Yeah. Having to stop in Orlando. It's been mentioned. So, yeah, the inside, the insider scoop. All you guys broke it on social media. We saw it the second we landed. So, I was like, all right, well, I guess we're going to talk about it. Uh, unfortunately, there's not that much to tell. You guys already know the gist of it, which is we got in extremely late. And so, a lot of the pre game day meetings got canceled as a direct result. But, you know, it starts with, just a thunderstorm at the worst possible time. The second we got to MIA, the sky opened up. And so we're just kind of sitting there waiting, doing the security stuff in a, a hangar, waiting for it to stop raining because we're not going to leave in the middle of a thunderstorm. And there's not a huge hurry. We had plenty of time. We actually left a little earlier than we usually do, or at least we were planning on it. And so had plenty of time. And we're sitting there. We're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. And finally getting ready to go. And the mechanical failure. Abundance of caution. It's a flight. Need to be safe. Need to be safe. Need to be safe. That one gets solved. Same thing again. All right, fine. That one gets solved. Same thing again. Three deep. And so it's just it's just a whirlwind. And we know we're in it at this point. But they finally get it fixed. And all right, we're gonna we're gonna go. All right, let's go. Take off. About 45, 50 minutes in, captain comes over to the intercom and says, We gotta go back. We, we've been in the air for about an hour, so we're going to loop around. That's how we wound up in Orlando. It was the closest, safe, possible landing spot. So, all right, land in Orlando. And then get a brand-new airplane in Orlando. And in our brand spanking new flight, fly straight to Yukon and get there uh, around midnight, land in Hartford. And the good thing about it is through it all, other than, you know, the obvious, ah, you know, the groaning or whatever, the guys never really got down. We were changing planes in Orlando, and they're dancing. They're playing music. They're having fun. Everybody's laughing. And that's one of the cooler things about this FIU football team is that because there's so many personalities on it, there's so many guys who are vocal, who are leaders, who will just sit back and enjoy whatever's going on. They weren't really intimidated by it. And so you're just kind of sitting back going, wondering, ah, how is this going to affect them? You know, how does this spin into the narrative of this match, this game? And you go, ah, no, it didn't really change that much. You know, they lost some meetings on the front end, and I think the coaches aren't too happy about that. The players probably didn't mind it so much. And you get everything rolling the next day, get going, and they didn't start out slow at all, man. They didn't look fatigued. They were incredible early on. Yeah. And so it's a matter of, you know, if you're going to have that hero's journey, that traditional arc where you overcome the adversity, that was it. That was the adversity for these guys, and they faced it in the game as well and overcame that as well. So when you look at building that winning culture that Mike McIntyre is trying to establish in Miami and with this FIU football team to be able to overcome all they did in the game and before it, it says a lot about where these guys are at as a team, as individuals, and as a program. 
Yeah, I think I think McIntyre himself said, "Oh, they're college students. They stay up late anyway, right?" They'll oh yeah, fine. for sure, <laughs> for sure. Oh yeah, no, no, they'll be fine. So, they were fine. They were fine. They they were excited. The energy levels were were tremendous throughout, and there yeah. was there wasn't even too much sleeping on the way there. Everyone celebrating on the way back and eventually passed out. But no, it, it's not it's not too much for these guys. It's not too much for these guys. There's a couple old souls on the team, but they're all young guys. They were ready to go, and they showed up from the opening kickoff. They were yeah. they were fired up, and now we sit here today. And you could make the argument that FIU could be undefeated. I mean, one play away against Louisiana Tech and the Panthers are 4-0 yeah. going into conference play. I mean, that's that's night and day, boys, from where this program was a couple of years ago. You, yeah, man. you can't say enough about the change that we've seen. So we'll talk a bit more about, about the football team in a sec. But I, I did want to ask you because we asked this to uh, both A.J. Ricketts as well as Michael Biamonte, who we had on the show mm-hmm. not that long ago, is um, – you know, how they got into the industry, the sports journalism, broadcasting industry. So, you know, I'd like right. to ask you the same thing. Um, just what advice would you give to students in both the the high school and sure. uh, collegiate levels who want to pursue? He's saying he wants yeah. to pursue. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yep. Oh. To uh, pursue a, a career oh. that's um, similar. Oh, and there's there's Lucy. I told you she'd be back. back. Never a doubt. Told you she'd be back. Always <laughs> investigating. Got to be a good luck cat, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The op- the opposite of the myth. It does freak some people out. They walk in, they see a black hat, they go ah. But no, she's she's great. All right. But yeah, what advice would you give to uh, you know yeah. students, high schoolers, and both college students who want to pursue sure. a career similar to what you're doing? And there are a lot of folks that do, right? You know, you get to work in the playpen every day, so I understand the allure of it. I think two huge things, and, and neither of them are easy, but they are the best advice. Number one is be patient. This thing takes time, man. It really does. And, you know, you hear earn your stripes a lot, foot in the door, all those cliches. But they do really apply in this industry because you need that combination of in-industry work, those reps that I talk about, and networking is obviously hugely important. Who you know is as important, if not more so, than what you know. It really is. So it takes time to develop those connections. It takes time to develop your on-air voice and personality. You never fully do. You know, I, I think outside of maybe three or four play-by-play guys who represent the top of our industry, we're all still kind of finding our voice at some times and in some ways. So you take that over time. You have to be patient with it. You have to sometimes do some stuff you don't want to do or, or that may not excite you as much as Liberty at FIU football coming up in six days, something like that. And that's just what the process is. Patience truly is a humongous, humongous part of navigating this journey. And you can't go comparison shopping either. And this is something I struggle with sometimes, to be honest with you, where you'll look and you'll see a broadcaster who's your age doing something that you may think is better than you or, or you may think is further ahead of where you're at. You know, you look at a guy like Noah Eagle, you know, he's on CBS. You know, Noah Eagle was the voice of the Los Angeles Clippers when he came out of college. And Noah Eagle's a tremendous broadcaster. And he got that opportunity as a direct result of not only his experience, but his ability to leverage connections, both the obvious and the ones that we don't see, into really, really great opportunities. But you can't compare yourself to that. Everybody runs this race at their own speed. It's good life advice, but it also directly applies to broadcasting where you can't get down on yourself because you're not as far as you want to be or as far as somebody who's your age or as far as maybe somebody you went to school with or is your contemporary in some way. 
everybody has their own journey to it. So patience, patience, patience would be the number one piece of advice. And the number two, kind of the corollary to that is reps, reps, reps. This is not a field where your education is paramount. We're not scientists, right? You don't have to have a PhD to do this. The degree is nice and it probably is a requirement, but learning by doing, you're going to get out there. You're going to make mistakes. I have made plenty and still do, but it's about learning from those mistakes, understanding, okay, I did this this time. Now I'm going to try and do this this time. And just that in the field experience, and it doesn't matter what you're calling, whether you're on the most remote streaming service doing a single mic radio broadcast of peewee football, or if you're in the top row of the cage with a mic to your mouth doing a broadcast that no one will hear except you and somebody you trust to critique you, just doing it by yourself. That's what it's all about. Getting the reps, understanding how you want to sound, what sounds good, what sounds bad, and building from there. So patience and practice, the two that are huge to get into this field. And nothing with that, Jake, uh, time for a little news break. Yeah, good idea, Kevin. This is the Pause Up Podcast news break. A quick look at some some of the latest in FIU athletics news, just FIU in general. So um, no real no real single stories to really point out this time. So I'd like to instead give some updates on some of the sports going on at the moment, starting off with, of course, men's soccer with a 3-2-2 two, and two record. They uh, unfortunately dropped a couple of games to both New Hampshire and Akron recently, but they they had a showing out a couple days ago on Saturday uh, against Temple, their first AAC opponent of the season. It's 5-1 win. They looked really good. Offense was clicking uh, the entire match. They will continue their um, conference schedule uh, this upcoming Saturday, September 23rd at 8 o'clock on the road against the Memphis Tigers. They'll then be back home on Friday, September 29th at 7 to take on the South Florida Bulls. Moving on to women's soccer, they have a 6-2-1 record, playing really good, coming off a win against UTEP this past, uh, yesterday um, by a score of 3-1. to one. They are continuing their um, conference play. They're in Conference USA, taking on, the Sam Houston, taking on Sam Houston State uh, the, in three days, on Thursday, September 21st at 7.30. That is in Huntsville, Texas. Their next home game is senior night against the FAU Owls on Sunday, September 24th at 6 p.m. And lastly, the indoor volleyball team with a 4-9 record so far just completed their uh, 305 challenge, um, defeating both Jacksonville and Stetson, however, losing to Indiana. They, they will continue on their season against a uh, conference opponent in a doubleheader at home against the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs on Friday, September 22nd at 6 o'clock. And then Saturday, the following day at 1 p.m. That is the uh, your look at FIU athletics. And I'd like to close off the segment talking a bit about um, something we had alluded to uh, at, during our uh, preview for the um, UConn game that we are going to be partnering up with the FIU Alumni Association to bring you our pause up preview for FIU versus Liberty live from the from the uh, roar lounge at uh 3 30 as soon as the gates open should be a fun time of course fiu the alumni association always does these great parties during homecoming which of course it is this week against the liberty flames we'll be there there will be you know food drinks games music a good time and uh you'll see uh me and johnny 
or me and Kevin, maybe Johnny, we'll see. But uh, should be a fun time regardless, and uh, we'll be there. So, again, want to give a big shout-out to the uh, Alumni Association for giving us this opportunity. And, yeah, that was your look at Newsbreak. All righty. So let's get into some football. Obviously, we, you kind of touched up on it a little bit, Corey. This team is 3-1, and three-game one streak. Kiwan Jenkins took over just after one week of Grayson James. Uh, just take us through, obviously, you've been at every game, just your overall thoughts on this season as now they go into a huge game against Liberty. I think yeah. biggest biggest game in, in a, lo- a long time for this program, too. Yeah. In the Mac, Mac era, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the biggest the biggest win – of the Mike McIntyre era was that North Texas win. It showed a lot about the growth of this program the last few years. And yeah, yeah, I think this probably is, I think that's fair, Johnny, the biggest, the biggest game. And the good thing for FIU, look, obviously the Panthers want to win this, right? But even if they don't, you've already seen so much growth in this team coming from one of the youngest rosters in FBS football to now where they're at and the combination of, so many players, whether it be returners or newcomers who have really found their form, it's been cool to watch. And you've seen certain players get better game after game after game. And Key wants the headliner, and he should be. I mean, I could watch that play where he climbs the ladder and hits Jalen Bracey for a touchdown. You can watch that all day. I mean, that's yeah. that's just football. Mm. Ah, chef's kiss. So he's he's played incredible. The guy, the guy has been really, really good, and you had a feeling. Even before it went final against La Tech, where Kiwan's energy, you could see it. We were in the press box, other side of the field, FIU sideline, and obviously way up there. And Kiwan's in every huddle. He's not starting. He's not playing. He's in every huddle. He's talking to guys. And that final drive, he's in the heart of the huddle. So much so that I'm sitting here like this, thinking that Coach Mack pulled the trigger on the last drive. And eventually I'm like, no, 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 it's still Grayson. But, you know, he was so involved. And and Coach Mack talked about this, this last part. But it was the moment where I realized that Kiwan was probably going to start the following week and was going to take the bull by the horns. You guys remember the end of that Louisiana Tech game, Dean's wide open down the middle and drops the ball. Turns an interception, game over. Kiwan was the first one there. Sprints off the sideline and comforts his receiver, knowing that Dean's going through it in that moment. Kiwan flies over there. And look, that's sometimes easier to do when you're not playing, when you didn't just throw the interception, when you weren't involved. But it still takes so much, man, with everything you go through in the offseason, underscoring the importance of the game, to be there to comfort a guy who's really going through it. It says so much about the leadership of Kiwan. And he's been a leader from the word go. So many FIU fans talked about the dual threat nature of it, the mobility of it. This guy's a quarterback first, y'all. He is a gifted passer. He understands the offense. He has command of his throws. And he has truly elevated this Panther team across the board. But he's not the only one. Shamari was incredible. That very first game, you saw it. There were a lot of very valid questions, including from me. How do the Panthers run the football after Flex's injury? Because Flex was the best player the Panthers had last year. It really was. And it yeah. didn't show up in the stats because the offensive line wasn't quite ready yet and the offense wasn't in sync to that degree. But the way that guy ran, what he created with what he was given, he was the best player for FIU. Second best player was Sean Peterson. Not here anymore. That was the other big question. Where does FIU get the pass rush from? 
And the answer has been a variety of guys, but Jeremy Passmore got better this past offseason. Mike McIntyre talked about it. That's why Jeremy Passmore was at CUSA Media Days for the Panthers. The other big guy who blew me away that trip to Connecticut, Alex Nobles was awesome. Yes. And he had already made a couple of big plays. Alex Nobles saved FIU's season so far with a really, really clutch sack. That said, Alex Nobles played his best game as a Panther in Connecticut. He was absolutely outstanding. Jack Daly, one of the newcomers, has been tremendous at that nose tackle spot and contributions from across the board, combined with the fact that Donovan Manuel is even better than he was last year. And I wasn't entirely sure if that was going to be possible because he was already the leader of the defense. He was already such a critical cog. And Mike McIntyre knew it. You know, the second that Don came to FIU, Coach Mack was trying not to just smile through the entire press conference. You could see it. He was talking through this grin. He understood what he was capable of wearing number 10 on the defense. And he's been unreal this year. The guy has future sight. He knows where the ball is going to be before it gets there. And he has made a couple of against the grain tackles where the play is supposed to be over here, but Don knew it was coming this way. He gets there and has saved a ton of yardage for FIU. There's a reason he's one of the top tacklers in the entire country. And then it's number 10 on both sides, right? Because so far, Nobody's been able to cover Chris Mitchell. He's got that Florida speed and no one's been able to answer it. So he has been dynamic. The surprise in the receiving core for me has been Dean Patterson. We knew Dean is a great route runner. That's what we heard from the coaches. And so you expected him to be the slant guy, the the drags guy. We need eight, nine yards. Let's get it. But Dean has shown he's got the entire route tree available. Not just one, two, three, four, five, six, but seven, eight, nine. He's got them all. And he saved FIU's bacon on the one fourth down where he just yeah. runs this beautiful fade towards the sideline and Kiwan puts it in a bucket, man. And that's the type of thing that FIU hasn't seen in a few years. And even when we last saw it, it was Maxi B and Tyrese Chambers. And those plays, while unbelievable in their execution, didn't really matter in the scope of a game. That's not true anymore. Panthers have been incredibly competitive. This defense has been sensational. All that said, the difficulty slider is going from rookie to Hall of Fame this week. This is a different team that's coming here in the Liberty Flames. You have homecoming as well. It's the last Saturday game for a long time because once we get in the month of October, we're talking about CUSA action, a lot of Wednesdays and stuff. So a really, really interesting slate in the schedule comes and you get a Liberty team that had some roster turnover. They have a brand new coach. So some opportunity for the Panthers. That said, this is a great roster, an incredibly talented quarterback, really good wide receiver room. I can't wait to watch that tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. I do want to touch up on Kiwan because I don't. you may have seen – I think you were there for that presser, uh, Corey, where he was asked about the audible, how he, how he made that change of play. It just shows how how mature this guy is, and, and you kind of – felt like he was you didn't you didn't know what the how long the leash was gonna be for grace and entering the season because it always felt like it was between them two yeah. for that for that quarterback spot especially in spring and the other thing is enough enough told this to johnny and i don't know if i've mentioned it to you jake but this was this was coach max guy he wanted his coach max guy he brought him in you know because you look back grayson and hayden those were butch guys and you go coach mac gets the guy to flip from auburn to fiu and yeah. you knew at some point very early on he was gonna be the starter and I mean, you know, props to Grayson because Grayson's a great guy. He had a great season for yes. FIU. But, man, Kiwan's just throwing these deep passes, 
things that you didn't see, yeah. you know, with Grayson last season. You're seeing a lot more gutsy play call compared to what we saw in week, week zero versus La Tech. Yeah, I think we as, as a fan base need to be a little bit careful, right? I think Grayson gets a lot of undue flack. Yeah, I think Grayson James is capable of a lot more than we saw against Louisiana Tech. And I think, you know, say Grayson does play against Maine, right? The two big explosives were the storyline. But I think Grayson would have been fine. Grayson is capable of hitting these throws. That's not a guy mm-hmm. without any pedigree, right? And so FIU is fortunate in that they have quarterback depth. Kiwan's been incredible. Grayson can play. And even Hayden showed that he's got it in him. It's a matter of developing consistency for him. But he nearly beat Middle Tennessee, who beat the University of Miami. So let's not kid ourselves. Hayden yeah. can play too. Yeah. But all that said, Kiwan's high school career illustrates the type of guy that he is from the quarterback position. You know, starts out at Carroll City, gets an opportunity to go to Miami Central and join one of the best high school programs in the entire country. And he immediately takes the field. That's not that easy to do. And he immediately gains the command and respect of that locker room and of his teammates, of D1 guys, of power five guys. Kiwan comes in and just takes the bull by the horns. And even when he got hurt, at Miami Central. He was constantly helping his backup. He wasn't worried about this competition. He wasn't worried about getting Wally pipped while he was hurt. He said, no, no, no. Team first. We need to win. And that is the type of thing that endears you to not only your teammates, but to coaches as well. And to your point, Kevin, Mike McIntyre probably should have paid rent at Miami Central for how often he was living there. This was the number one guy on his board. Coach Yost, too. Those two combined, and they were at Central so much because they knew what they had in their backyard. And Kiwan was under-recruited. Auburn did a really nice job of bringing him in and understanding what they could have gotten, but they had their coaching change. And outside of that, it was always a two-horse race between Auburn and FIU. And there were people in South Florida that were talking about it. There's a cornerback who now plays for UConn. If you look back at the Twitter history, I talked about it on the radio a couple days ago, he reposted a tweet that said, Kiwan's being under-recruited. People need to see this guy. No one ever did until now. And now Mike McIntyre has an absolute gem for the future and everybody's understanding what Kiwan is capable of. There's not a play he can't make. And the biggest thing is exactly what you mentioned is understanding of the sport of football. This guy's not just an athlete. He's not going to go out there and run the ball for 150 yards. He's a passer first because he understands the concepts. He understands what defenses are giving him. And he has the ability to audible to some stuff. He'll overestimate himself every once in a while, but that's what you want. You want a quarterback who's not afraid. That was one of the interceptions against North Texas. He tried to hit just enough loft to get it over a guy. Missed it a little bit. INT. That said, very similar throw this past weekend against UConn. Nailed it. Hit it right down the sideline. Flew it right over the second level. It was a beautiful catch for about 20 yards right down the white. So this is a guy who – there's my Chris Collinsworth for you. Here's a guy who is unbelievable – in every sense, he has elevated what was already a program trending upward. And now we really get to find out because it's a Liberty defense that's got some talented players on it. And when you get into conference play, it turns into a real grind. The schedule does you no favors getting into the real heart of CUSA play. Your first opponent is Liberty. They played LaTeX, but this is conference play. You get one of quite possibly the two best teams in the conference right out of the gate. The upside is Liberty's got a five-day turnaround after FIU does not. When the Panthers shift to midweeks and out of midweeks, they have time to adjust. So they never really had that short, quick time frame. So that was a favor in how the schedule shook out for the Panthers. In addition to the fact that if Liberty is one of two potential best teams, the other is Western Kentucky, 
The Panthers will play them at the end of the year with maximum time to come online as a team, and they do so in Miami. So those are a pair of good things for the schedule as it works out, and it goes back and forth. Last year, FIU had a crazy early bye week, and that really hurt them down the stretch. So the schedule comes and goes. This year, I think FIU got some good fortune when it came to how it shook out, but ultimately you've got to play the games, you've got to win the games, and so far the Panthers, they have 75% of the time. And I want to say, um, you know, Corey, is you can definitely see there's a sense of confidence with this team. Obviously, you know, week zero, a tough loss. But ever since then, you know, this team is exuding just, you know, optimism and confidence. And, and yeah. they're showing that they can do anything. And I think, you know, this team, you know, could be 4-0 right now, the 3-1, which is great to see. But what yeah. are your thoughts with this program? And, and really, you feel like things are going in the right direction, especially, you know, when you have an October stretch that you, we, we possibly can win out, you know, 4-0 just based on the teams that are playing, too. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the biggest FIU homers in America is right there. Uh, always, always, always positive. But I think you're right, though. I, I really do. There is a lot to be excited about right now where FIU could get on a real stretch here and string together some high-quality football. And that confidence you talk about is so important because it's the biggest thing. In creating that winning culture, you need to have belief in that locker room. And Mike McIntyre can talk all he wants and put in every game plan that he wants. And Coach Yost and Coach DeWitt. Coach DeWitt was named Coordinator of the Week by on three because he's been awesome. Yeah. And, and they, can do, they can do all they want, man. But at the end of the day, on top of that, you've got to have that belief in the locker room. And FIU, it takes time. But that North Texas game, that showed every single person in that locker room and outside of it where this team is at. Because that game against North Texas a year ago was over before it started. I mean, the Western Kentucky game was bad. That North Texas game was worse. Where it was just a complete misfire by the Panthers. And they'd be the first one to tell you that. But they came out and beat that same team. And things changed for North Texas. But same with UConn. UConn UConn is a game that I think if if you injected the FIU Panthers with truth serum, they'd say we should have probably won that game. You know, yeah. some early turnovers and some some unsound play in the run game and UConn going six for six in the red zone. Those are some untenable trends. And those didn't continue, and that's why FIU won against UConn. But the North Texas game, there was no pathway to victory in that game. There just wasn't. Whereas this time, it was competitive. It was exciting, but they won it. And so now, that locker room gets to see, okay, we have taken a huge stride. And even more importantly, we can take a shot late in the game and still stand up. And that was important right after because we were all sitting around watching that UConn game thinking the exact same thing. Oh, boy. Here we go. Because that was a huge lead for FIU that evaporated very, very quickly. And the same thing happened at North Texas. FIU got up by two touchdowns and it was gone. But the Panthers weathered that storm and proved to themselves they could weather that storm. And yeah. so that confidence carried over directly and they needed it right away because they had to overcome that adversity against UConn. And Coach Mack talked about it after the game. He said, we haven't had a lot of experience playing with leads and now they're getting those opportunities. Now they're yeah. understanding what it takes to hold on to that lead. And that's why, you know, you're seeing the development from the offense, but even more importantly, Coach DeWitt's side of the ball has been unbelievable. This defense has taken shot after shot after shot, and they found the answer every single time. And so to see that confidence spread from those guys 
and now really begin to infect in a good way the remainder of this program, it says a lot. And and now you're seeing FIU mentioned in bowl projections, guys. This is not something that we're talking about for the last couple of years, but it's there now. And yeah. whether it's a trip to, to Boca Raton, I saw that the other day. So that'd be kind of a you know short bowl <laughs> trip, or whether it's one much further away. That's what the expectation the Bahamas is bowl. now. The Bahamas Bowl. Hawaii. Exactly. That would be nice. I'm here for either of the ones you guys just mentioned. Let's be clear about that. But it, it speaks to not only the change of expectation in the locker room with these guys, but the national expectation. And and there's still doubt. Scott Carr's Twitter account is primary evidence of it. <laughs> you know, there, there's not a belief nationally that FIU has made the trip. But even there, even there, right? Look at the games last year where you saw those tweets in the ESPN Power Index. It was like 5% that FIU would win a, ball, win a ball game. That one was 30-some percent. So still disrespectful and still wrong. Yeah. But you're seeing better. that better. You're seeing that national understanding and expectation of where this program is at continue to advance as people learn what is happening here in Miami. Because it yeah. can get lost. It can get lost in the college landscape. There's so much changing, and especially in a Conference USA picture that looks completely different than it did a year ago because the conference is completely different. That gets lost in translation sometimes. But now you're at 3-1, and one, and that's something that even the most distanced college football fan can understand, even if you're looking at yeah. this thing from five miles away. Three wins, one loss. Okay, I get that. I understand that. It's what that fan is thinking. So now for FIU, it really is night and day. But now they got to go out and prove it, right? Three wins is not enough. They yep. need to continue to play well, to continue to execute, to continue to get better as a program and as individual players. And if they do that, well, that's when things will get really fun. And yeah. I do want to give Jovan DeWitt some credit because, man, has his defense been good. And Dude. by the end of the season, Dude. he's going to be getting some co head coaching you know, opportunities out there. He's, I won't say – you know, it's worth not saying, but he's good enough to do it. That's FIU's not so secret weapon right there. That's why whenever you see these awards that he gets, you know, he was just put in the Hall of Fame at UNM and he's yeah. on the coordinator of the week and, and you see that stuff and you're like, man, I'm so stoked for him because he's been so good. And Coach Mack mentions him nearly every postgame presser. Yeah, you know, Coach DeWay called a lot of great blitzes, that type of thing. But, you know, you hope he's around here for a long time because he's so good at what he does. And that win against New Mexico State, guys, last year, that really catapulted everything was a master class in how to call plays on defense. The Panthers yeah. were in the right place at the right time on nearly every single play. And that's not always going to happen. Sometimes you're going to have a defense and the offense is going to beat you. It just so happens the play they called is the beater. But the difference this year is that even when that happens, the Panthers have the players to be able to respond. There was one, he talked about it, Coach Mack talked about it, where it's a screen. And we call the blitz straight away from it. That's a recipe for disaster most times. But because Donovan Manuel is incredible at the sport of football, nothing came of it. <laughs> and so that's that combination of Coach DeWitt's coaching as well as the rest of these guys. Let's, let's not diminish the contributions from the rest of those defensive coaches as well. And having these guys ready to play and having that innate understanding of what's going on in conjunction with his play calling on game day, it has consistently put these guys on the front foot. It's made a huge difference. And now you're seeing the payoffs, especially in a game like that UConn matchup 
every single player on defense for FIU knew what UConn wanted to do. And you saw it. You saw guys yeah. like O'Prendergrass step up and make plays because they knew what was coming. And when you have that advanced scouting in mind, when you've repped it all week and you know what they want to do, it elevates you as a defense. It takes already talented guys and gives them the knowledge to be even more successful. That's what you're seeing from Coach Mack, from Coach DeWitt, and from the guys on the defensive side. And then the offense has you know plenty of highlights too. Let's not forget about those guys. Yeah. So, man, it, it's, it's exciting to get into this football game on Saturday. We'll save uh, save some of that for, of course, our, our preview at the yeah, – uh, I don't want to take everything from you guys. But let me ask you one more thing about football. And, again, yeah. this is a sort of hypothetical thing. Sure. Uh, of course, covering FIE, you've seen them grow, you've seen them develop, and you're, and you're talking about the, uh, the future and mm-hmm. uh, getting into a bowl game. How do you see this season playing out? What do you think is the oh, uh, the the floor and the ceiling for how FIU football will 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 uh, will do come bowl game time? Sure, I don't know. <laughs> I know, and I know that's a cop out, right? But there there is such a wide range of outcomes with this team, and I do believe it's a narrower range than it was this time last year. You know, last year it was very capable. The wheels completely fall off. At, and we're talking about uh, uh, almost a do or die second year in terms of establishing the culture. That didn't happen. Far from it. But now that's not going to happen. There's just, there's just no way. Because of where this team is at, you have the ability to ensure that, that the floor, as you call it, will never be reached. They're, they're going to have the ability to at least remain competitive and, and probably win you know, a good number of ballgames going forward. Schedule's tough, man. There's, there's no easy ones, right? There, there's no true bottom dweller in Conference USA. There's no free wins anymore. Right. And, and your FCS game is out of the way. And that said, FIU's played a couple of good FCS teams. So even those haven't been free wins. So yeah. you, Bryant. You Bain, Bryant, Bryant was a really good team. And, and Bryant did a lot of things right in that ballgame. And, and that's why two of their players are now wearing blue and gold. And yeah. so, you know, you, you have a lot of really good opportunities and I don't know what the final number is. I think the goal for everybody is six. You know, I said that when I spoke to Sam Rivera preseason on CBS, and I still feel that is true. Get to that magic number of six. You know, the, the, the public and outward view and even the belief in the locker room is we want to compete for a conference championship. And they still have that opportunity, right? No, nobody is any far ahead of anybody else in the CUSA picture right now. We haven't played enough games. So you string together a few wins. And you're going into the end of the season competing for a CUSA title. That is the goal. But within the context of that, get to six. Because once you start getting into bowl games and maybe winning a bowl game, that's how you catapult your program. That's how you get so much more viewership outside of your building, but even more directly in your home area. Because number one for FIU is recruiting the state of Miami. Scott Carr yeah. talked about it in his introductory press conference. We can recruit in a car. That's the biggest thing for FIU. You're not going to win them all, man. Recruiting is too national now. You can't put a fence around Miami anymore. It's not possible. But you win a few. You get your key ones, right, to stay home and make an immediate impact. You get some guys who want to come home, your CJ Christians, who are going to come into your program and immediately give you an influx of talent. And you do that 
by winning bowl games, by showcasing to these guys, hey, we're here to play. We're here to elevate your platform, to be able to get you where you want to be in college and maybe even at the next level. That's the biggest thing. Wow, some some good stuff there. Uh, before we, before we start to wrap up, I'd like to ask you because this has mainly been a football episode because of course we're knee deep in the uh, the football yep. season. But Just season, yep. you, yeah, you. But you've talked to a lot of coaches. You've talked to a lot of athletes during your time. If you had to pinpoint one FIU coach or athlete that uh, you you had loved to have talked to the most, like your favorite interview with a uh, a player or a coach post game or or, or in preparation for a game, who would it be? So I'll give you one current coach and one former player. Okay. Uh, as, as far as a current coach goes, Kyle Russell is a superstar, y'all. And we already yes. knew this. We already knew this. <laughs> but what what he and his staff have done in leveraging that I in FIU in terms of a genuine and bona fide international recruiting pitch has been phenomenal. And that is men's soccer is the team that is most poised to compete for a national championship. They've already done the conference championship thing. They are competing for a national championship. And we've got a lot of good programs at FIU. But that said, men's soccer is the one most poised for a genuine number one spot. And they've gotten off to a little bit of a slow start this year. But and the only reason we say that is because Coach Russell and his staff have created such expectations around this program because they've been so good. And so now you've got so many different new pieces and it's not like football where say you get a bunch of different guys from Miami high schools, right? They all know each other. And so they can mesh right away. They probably went against each other in high school or played together in travel. It's not the same in men's soccer. You've got one guy from Spain, one guy from France, one guy from Italy. They lived in different countries. And we talk about how Miami is a state of its own, but at the end of the day, whether you grew up in Miami or whether you grew up in Atlanta, you've got a lot of common experience. It's not the case if you're talking about Italy versus Spain. It's it's not even in the same universe in that way. The international in Florida International, correct, and that's that's what that team does, and that's the unique part of men's soccer. International recruiting is more important than domestic recruiting in a lot of ways. You know, look at even our top scorer from last year, and Stephen Afrifa. He was from Canada. And so you need to be able to inject that international, that I in FIU for sure. And that's what Coach Russell has done without a doubt. All right, former player that I would love to talk to. I will put this into the world. Uh, I already got the chance to talk to Sip, which is awesome because I loved watching him play. And he'll be on color with AJ here on Saturday. I'm a Colts fan. I'm a Colts fan. So that pretty much tells you all you want to know. He was around for one of the games last year, man. And... I never got the chance to speak with him, but I have so much love for what that guy did for the Indianapolis Colts and just a genuine joy to watch. And so I, you know, hopefully I get the chance to catch up with him at some point, but yeah, yeah, obviously that's, that's, that's Mr. FIU in so many ways, right? The dude is an absolute superstar and I really hope that I'll be able to, you know, have a good conversation with him and not get starstruck. The one time that's happened, was with a, with a Colts wide receiver. It was Reggie Wayne. And I spoke with him in a post-game wow. in the locker room, and uh, I got a little bit. I'm like, ah, you're from Miami. I've watched you play. And all of a sudden, the inner six-year-old comes out, and you get a little tripped up over your words. So I'd like to think I'm past that. Uh, I've, I've asked questions of LeBron James and Dwayne Wade without stumbling. So I think we're good. 
But you never know, man. Once those guys get in the childhood, you know, like Reggie Wayne did and T.Y. to a large point as well, those, those are the guys where you just sit back and, and the inner child comes out and you just go, ee! So, you know, obviously <laughs> a fun player to watch. Corey, yeah. you've been awesome. We can't thank you enough Good. for being on the show, man. Yeah, man. Always good to talk with you guys. Before we yeah. wrap up, oh, you go, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I wanted to give the floor to you, Corey, as we always like to do. The floor is now yours. If you have anything you'd like to say to the fans, the alumni, the students before this game on Saturday and just yeah. the rest of the fall semester, man, now is the time. No doubt. It's, it's exciting times. And I think FIU fans understand that. But, it, you know, if you haven't been following what the Panthers have been putting out on social, where this program is at, this is night and day. This is not the Florida International University that existed even a few years ago. This is a brand new program with a history. And, you know, we were just talking about T.Y. Hilton. We're not disregarding that history, right? But understanding that this is a new era in Panther athletics, period, end of story. And you can't look at the past and use that as a measuring stick anymore because this is a new day. And football is the headliner. It's always going to be. That is the national pastime, and you're seeing success there. But the Panthers have an opportunity to truly be that everything school in so many ways. You know, you've got a CUSA freshman of the year playing for a men's basketball team. You've got a women's basketball team that's made strides. You've got a swimming team that is consistently winning Conference USA championships. You've got men's and women's soccer that has really taken a lot of strides the last few years. You've got a volleyball team that's rounding into form with a combination of newcomers and returning players. Baseball entering a new era with new coaches, and so many more, man. Tennis, unbelievably tremendous last year. Golf doing some really nice things. So across the board, the spots that a lot of folks watch and that a lot of folks should be watching, the Panthers are continuing to elevate in every single aspect of athletics, and I hope people come for the ride. I know it's tough, man. We live in Miami. There's so much to do. That's why we love this city. But to come out and support FIU, you're going to have a great time, whether it's a men's soccer game where everyone in the stands is this cohesive unit sitting back and embracing the uniqueness of Miami, or whether it's football with homecoming, with a team coming in, playing some incredible ball, or even if you know you wait a few weeks right, and you want to come to Vice Night because that's going to be the talk of the town with the best jersey in college football as the Panthers take on UTEP. It's all good right now, man. And I hope people get in the elevator while it's still relatively close to the ground floor because it's going straight up and it's going to be so much fun. Corey, we can't. Lights out! Lights out! <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a good one. Oh, these days, y'all. Lights out in more ways. Yeah, so Corey, thank you so much for for joining us. Yeah. Obviously, we're Enjoyed gonna have to, we're gonna have to do a part two to this very soon for sure. Yeah. Men's and women's soccer, and once baseball season comes rolling, as well as basketball. Yeah, anytime, guys. Anytime. I love talking to you guys. So from Johnny, Whatever. from Jake, from Corey, myself. We'll see you guys on the next one. Peace out and uh, pause up. Pause up. Uh, hold up. <laughs>